Welcome to the Launch Strategist Podcast with your host, Katrina Douglas, author, trainer, and launch strategist for corporate leaders, helping you launch projects that light you up, make money, and get you closer to the goals that matter. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode three of COVID Launch Case Studies Meet the Success Stories, where I meet incredible founders and business owners that have launched incredible projects and businesses during this time and just have pivoted beautifully. So today I am joined by Jonathan South, and you know, his project, Cultivating Wonder, is incredible. But I, before we go into it, and before I actually introduce Jonathan. Welcome, Jonathan, first of all. I actually need to share Jonathan's bio because I don't often read the whole extensive bio, but bios, but it's so, there's so much in here that I think lends itself to the conversation that on this instance, I think I absolutely am. So first of all, Jonathan, your background as a portrait photographer, one of the most well-known in the Southeast, um, with a 20-year career in terms of, you know, Google reviews. Google Jonathan, you'll see his credentials. Over 500 families you, you photograph, photographed over the last 20 years. Amazing. And why I wanted to speak to you especially as well is because I think during the pandemic, photographers have been one of the industries that have been hit the hardest. So hearing your story about how you've p- pivoted is amazing. So the other thing is you first uncovered your talent for photography as a result of 9-11. So let's start there, Jonathan. Let's start with the story from that point to how we got to Cultivating Wonder. Okay, gosh, wow. (laughs) It's crazy to think that 20 years this year, 9-11 happened. It's It feels like yesterday, and it was 20 years ago this September. So my story, um, to go back even before 9-11, I grew up on the edge of Sheffield, in the, on the edge of the Peak District, beautiful part of Yorkshire. And I was always into photography, but only as a kind of, as a kid and as an amateur. And then I ended up wanting to become a journalist and then I ended up working in, in book publishing. I had a sister who was 17 years younger than me, a real mm-hmm. short parents uh almost i think almost killed my parents actually getting pregnant again and um i photographed her when she was about three four years old i was at art college in london yeah. loved photography but never saw it as ever as a career just um, yeah. did fine art and ended up working in book publishing but i used to take photographs of my little sister elizabeth and they were really good black and white and i really loved doing portrait photography mm. i worked in publishing for a few years anyway fast forward to August the 12th, I think it was, August the 13th, I flew to New York City, uh, where I used to live um, in the 1990s. In the mid-1990s, I spent uh, two years in uh, Greenwich Village, um, yeah, in my early 20s. And I basically had a really great time, party central. It was the last time really New York was kind of still partying before um, it all got cleaned up under Rudolph Giuliani. And I basically went back to see friends in 2001. My flight home was on the 13th of September mm. and 9-11 happened. And I remember being quite uptown. I think I was on the East 86th Street. Um, got a phone call from a friend of mine. She, re- she ran the, uh, well, she re- was a communications director of a Christian charity near Wall Street. And they had an office in a church very close to the uh, Twin Towers. Mm. Churches are all in the area, closed all of their um, 
doors to the public and they kept them open for the firemen. Because most of the firemen, you probably know, uh, were generally quite working class, quite poor, lived in poor areas in New York, like Flushing Meadow and Queens. And basically, they refused to leave Manhattan, refused to leave the site until they found everyone from their station, dead or alive. My friend called me and she said, could you get down here? Um, it'd be really great to document this and uh, photograph it. Unknown, obviously, I couldn't get in to the site. The site had completely been cordoned off. It was about a, a six block cordon off um, but thankfully I managed to get in through uh, a priest a Catholic priest who was in who got in and I got into the onto the site um, and I just remember the smell of thick plastic burning plastic mm. the sense of it was the most beautiful day I'll never forget that day it was a gorgeous sunny day a day like today actually yeah. and it was really beautiful and I remember just the Manhattan is a beautiful beautiful island and I remember just the sense as you came down walking because I had to walk obviously Everyone was going uptown or crossing Brooklyn Bridge to escape. And I remember walking down and just hearing the sirens, the crazy sirens and the smell of plastic in the air and mm. the metal that it was burning. Um, and so, yeah, that's how I got in photography. I photographed the firemen. I did some interviews in the church. The church that I was working with is modelled on St. Martin's in the Field in London. Mm. Square. It's, it's the identical church. I think it's the identical church. And it's where George Washington said a prayer once before he became president of the United States. Yeah. It's an incredible church. What was weird about that church, Christians would call it a miracle, is that all the buildings around 9-11, including the ATSBC building and Citibank and a few others, had to get pulled down because of structural damage. Mm. But actually the church, which was one of the nearest buildings to 9-11, um, didn't suffer any damage. Wow. It was an extraordinary sight to walk in. Um, and then over the next few weeks, um, the churches were full of camp beds, so the firemen could sleep there. They could talk to a priest. They could talk to a vicar. They could have food and soup and bread. And it was an extraordinary, um, and it was the worst of humanity, 9-11, and you got to see the best of how, New York, how New York came together. Absolutely. And can I tell you, Jonathan, we have something in common, because I was actually in New Jersey. Um, yeah. So imagine that we were kind of miles apart, one of the most catastrophic points in history. And here we are, 20 odd years connecting like this. And, oh, yeah. and, I, and I was because my dad has lived in the States for over 20 years. And so I would spend a lot of summers and Christmases there. Most summers I would spend there. And my dad actually worked in the Twin Towers. And I remember actually getting a call and someone saying, where's your dad? And I said, he's at work. I had just woken up and I remember saying he's at work. And then the person said, look at the news and the horror, the horror. Thankfully, he's fine. He came home. And I couldn't believe he came home with a with a briefcase intact. But, you know, I remember what you were saying. It was actually a beautiful morning. But I remember after the fact in New Jersey, you could still see kind of clouds. And there was something in the air that it just felt so eerie and different. But you know, I think that when you experience something like that, well, I wasn't as close up as you were, of course, it does change you. And I think it does give you a resilience. And I think it does prepare you in, 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 a, in a, you know, in some way for, for any hardship that kind of comes after that. So, you know, that wasn't, you know, the beginning from your biography, that wasn't the beginning of, you know, horrific scenes that you've seen and witnessed and, you know, told the story of through photography. So you said that you, um, you traveled around the world visiting and photography, photographing communities in India, Peru, South Africa, Swaziland, and it included photography, photographing HIV and AIDS work in South, Southern Africa. Um, so let's talk about that because, you know, I guess this is a side of photography that is part of his, is history making. 
essentially you're capturing history in in real time so before we 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 i just really want to build a picture of how we got here before we start cultivating wonder so let's talk about that and then how that journey landed you with cultivating wonder where we are in covid yeah so I um, I became a Christian actually at the end of 2000 uh, at a church, a last church in South Kensington. Um, I did an Alpha course and I became a Christian. And for me, uh, as someone who is always been spiritual, my parents are Christians. Mm. I ended up living in New York in the 90s. Um, t- took a lot of drugs. It was a very mm. wild party time. Ended up uh, going to a Buddhist retreat in India, thinking. Wow. Uh, and for me, uh, we all find our own peace. We all find our own walk. We all yeah. find. Our and for me, I decided actually that um, Christianity was probably true because of uh, the thing called grace. And, and that completely uh, broke me in a really good way. I was, it, 9-11 really helped me, helped shape my faith. I helped understand my understanding of good and evil and also how good people can be. Mm. The beautiful nature of humanity. As a photographer, and we'll talk, when we come to cultivating wonder in a minute, it comes out of this belief that people, most people are good. Yeah. Most people want to do good in the world. Obviously, there's evil, there's psychopaths, and there's paedophiles, and there's murderers, and so on. But actually, the majority of the world, I believe, is good. Mm. We, can't, we can't rescue ourselves. And for me, that was a surreal, enlightening experience um, as, as I became a Christian. When I went to Africa, I was doing some photography work for um, a Christian charity, which I found extraordinary. And they were doing work all over Latin America, and in Asia, and in Southern Africa. And I did some work on a on an orphanage in Delhi, uh, an extraordinary uh, street favela project in Peru, and then in sub-Saharan Africa. I think where South Africa and Swaziland shaped me in a way that Peru and India didn't. India was my, probably my favourite country in the world. I've been to India 11 times. I go back a lot and I adore it. But I think the experiences I saw of HIV orphans and having to photograph them um, and the stigma attached to AIDS, um, especially from uh, the villagers who didn't understand mm how HIV started, they didn't understand, you know, and seeing some of the stuff that was being done to these children to try and heal them, to cure them of HIV was absolutely abhorrent. And I remember photographing them, and one little boy, he was about five years old, he had HIV, he grabbed my little hand, he grabbed my hand, his little finger, and he just held on to it very tightly. And I remember just sitting there for 20 minutes, and he couldn't speak a word of English, I couldn't speak a word of the local tribal language, mm. but we communicated to his smile. Mm. And I remember this utter sense of, Actually, there's a connection here between me and this five, six-year-old boy that was so profound that actually language is almost rendered irrelevant. And yeah. it's not a cliche of the smile, but actually smile is universal language. Yeah, in any country, they smile back at you. Yeah. You, don't, you don't need to speak another language to smile at someone. And for me, that really stayed with me. And those experiences um, of HIV really stayed with me and it shaped my worldview and my philosophy. Um, mm-hmm. Before I became a full-time photographer, those memories always were in my always in my own mind. Yeah. Okay. So you know, so we're in 2019, uh, 2020 even, and you know, like most photographers, this is your livelihood, and all of a sudden you cannot move. Really, you can't do what you do. So take us to that point and how you went from that position to launching cultivating wonder. So. Going forward, ahead of, one month ahead of um, lockdown, so uh, yeah. January, beginning of February mm-hmm. 2020, I yeah. made a trip to see a good friend of oh, mine. Then my cat is disturbing us. I just have to let yeah. him out. Yeah, so I made a trip down to uh, Plymouth in Devon. Um, yeah. It was in 
January, beginning of February time, about a month before lockdown started, to see a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, who's a single mum with two kids, mm-hmm. um, Esther and B. B is seven and Esther is 12. Esther was on, we were on walking for these beautiful magical woods in Devon. And Esther started asking me lots of questions about um, wonder, about joy, about photography, about creativity. And those questions really stayed As I drove back uh, down the, uh, or rather up the M4 and M5 back to Oxford, where I live, I just thought, you know what? This is amazing. Mm. Those questions are incredible. A little 12-year-old girl was asking me some really profound questions about wonder and about joy. At this point, I had no idea what mindfulness meant. I'd never done it before in my life. I'd never had a clue about GDPR or safeguarding, apart from that. I was DBS check, because as family photographer, you've got to be DBS check. I had no idea about safeguarding or or any of that stuff. Fast forward a month, a lockdown happened, and I decided to run a course. I'm going to run a course in photography and wonder. Mm. There might be three or four parents who sign up for it. On the first course, we had 368 parents. Oh, my gosh. In lockdown. lockdown. I was like, oh, my gosh. I have no idea how it happened. It was a miracle. It was just incredible. I had to quickly hire a BA because I had never done a Zoom call in my life. (laughs) We couldn't have video on, so no child could be seen. They were with the parents anyway. The the Mm. parents were next to them, but still they couldn't be on the video. Um, They couldn't have the audio on because otherwise it would just be so loud. So we turned the video off and the audio off, and they had a chat room with the parents monitoring the chat room. And it was absolutely amazing. The kids asked amazing questions. That led to um, where the course is now. So between the first and the second course, the second course was in the summer, we repivoted it completely. We rewrote the whole course. Mm. The first course, I quickly realised there was a pandemic that wasn't COVID. It was called mental health. Yes. no idea about how children struggle with mental health survival. I had no idea that eight, nine, ten-year-olds were crying, were self-harming, were looking at themselves mm-hmm. and disdain. So we rewrote, I've got a good friend of mine, Rachel, who is a mum uh, and a wife in Jersey, a brilliant, brilliant photographer. Mm-hmm. He and I rewrote the entire course um, and we, we, we built in a much more intentionality about mindfulness. Um, there's no other course in the world right now. We can't believe it. We still can't believe it on photography no. online. There are lots of courses for photography, uh, lots of courses for mindfulness, but nothing combines the two. It's, it's, it's like literally listening to you. It's like goosebumps because I think one thing that I believe, you'll hear me say this a million times, I'm only interested like you and I have, haven't worked together on launches. You know, I we went for a mutual contact. But, you know, when I do work on launches and when I am speaking to people about launching in this season, the thing I am saying is that it has to be about legacy. It has to be about something that matters, that is adding value, that is contributing to society as well as profit. It has to be about marrying your purpose, you know, something that's going to add value. Yes, there needs to be a financial element. You know, we're, we're in business. But I think what is so beautiful about this is that it's so timely. It's so needed. And I can just, you know, you know, I know the difference that this is making to children during this lockdown. You know, um, so it's it's absolutely, absolutely incredible. And the name, even the minute I heard the name Cultivating Wonder, it's just so amazing. And I just want to clarify. I just want to really um communicate what cultivating wonder is because the way you wrote it the way you've described it is is incredible i just want to make sure no one misses actually what it does so um cultivating wonder is the world's first online course combining photography and mindfulness for children aged 
5 to 9 and 10 to 16. Designed to awaken a sense of wonder about the world, it takes children on a voyage of exploration and um, creativity through photography and, and so far with three courses run, run hundreds of parents and children have enrolled on it. So it's incredible. So we're going to give you the link at the end. You know, even if you want to check it out now, cultivatingwonder.co. Yeah, cultivatingwonder.co. So just um, incredible. So thank you for sharing that story, Jonathan. So I guess, you know, as this, it almost feels like divinely inspired this idea. So what impact did the fact that we were in COVID have on you launching Cultivating Wonder in the time that you did? Of course, it was supremely uh, relevant, but were you already looking for uh, to launch something? Would you have launched it had it not been a, in a pandemic? Share with us your thought pattern and how you ended up from having the idea to actually launching it in a pandemic. I had no idea about doing a course. I was never going to do this in a million years. And lockdown never happened and COVID never happened. Cultivating Wonder would not exist. Um, thank you for that beautiful comment. I'm just going to read out to you one thing quickly. Yeah. So um, the course itself came as a miracle, basically. I had no mm. idea how to run a course. I had never thought about this in my life. Mm. Um, out of nowhere, it just came, and it was a transformative experience for the children and for the parents. And what we're doing is all we're doing is making parents and children, adults and children, wake up and be present. If you look yeah. at any you look at a swan or a dog, a cow, a sheep or a horse. They are only present. They are never thinking about yesterday, mm-hmm. what is going on tomorrow. Or they can only, animals can only live in the present. And yet we get to that point when we get to about six, seven years old, where we lose that sense of um, staying present. I think if you look at young kids, they're amazing at being present. Mm-hmm. At that age, you lose it. So what we're doing with parents and with adults is we want to rewire them and get them back to that state of being fully present. And actually, the reason the course has uh, reverberated so well with uh, parents is because it resonated so well, rather, with parents is because actually it awakens their sense of um, childhood that they maybe miss themselves, they miss being a child. And Roald Dahl said, we were all meant to be childlike. Not childish, childish is immaturity. Yeah. And I just want to read out one of our little things that we do. Please do. There's actually a couple, but I'll just read one about first. You are a beautiful person. Never, ever forget it. What we do is with teenagers on the older course, the 10 to 16-year-old course, we get them to look at themselves for a minute in the mirror. Mm. What do they notice about their face that you find interesting? What do they notice when they smile and then don't smile? What do they like most about their face? Yeah. Um, and then we do gratitude activities. We do things like um, the happiness jar. Find a jar or a box. Every time something good happens and makes you smile during the week, write it on a brightly coloured piece of paper, fold it up and pop it into the jar. Mm. See if you can fill the jar. Whenever you feel sad or cross, angry with your mum or dad, dip your hand into the jar, read a happy note and put a smile back on your face. Mm. Um, we, we get them to write love letters to their parents and to their best friends. Wow. Write a love letter to your mum. Why are you thankful for your mum, for your best friend, for your dad? We get them to go on a nature walk and find a letter of the alphabet, T or S, and find everything they can find. Um, what we're doing is waking kids up to the fact that the world is amazing. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, yeah. and so Cultivating Wonder has gone on this crazy journey from this initial course where there was no course in my head in February, uh, Katrina, and now obviously it's a year old, and we just signed a deal with Yo Valley. Um, wow, incredible. 
Congratulations. We signed branding deals with a few other companies, um, an ethical version of Not on the High Street called It Won't Cost the Earth. Yeah. Uh, we did sign deals with Little Cooks, the first kickbox, the first cooking boxes for kids. Mm. So Helen has set up this amazing company where they send boxes of recipes and ingredients to kids through the post every month. So it's getting kids yeah. to cook. We're partnering with them. We're just partnering with these amazing organizations. And it feels like creating a wonder revolution. Yeah, it definitely does feel like that. I mean, you've had like national coverage, press coverage, haven't you? Like people have just run with this idea. So talk about that. How did that even come about? You know, coverage that you've had in The Guardian and various other places. How did that come about? I give a big shout out to an amazing Facebook group called Light Bulb is run by an amazing woman called Charlotte Chris. And Charlotte is an extraordinary, if any of you are entrepreneurs listening to this, any of you have got small businesses um, and you want to be in the press more, go and join Lightbulb. Lightbulb is incredible. Um, it's basically, uh, I think PR people actually hate it because <laughs> national journalists from the BBC and Sky meeting um, entrepreneurs. Wow. And, and it, so they write, I'm writing an article, I need people on there. It's really, really great. Okay, incredible. Thank you for that nugget, nugget of wisdom, I'm sure. Yeah, amazing, amazing. So what has been the hardest part of the journey? Because, my God, it's been a roller coaster, an incredible year, but, you know, a huge curve and change. So I guess what has been the most difficult part of launching something like this in the times that we are in? I would say probably learning how to run a company as mm-hmm. a top- uh, who was self-employed doing a photo shoot or um, doing an invoice doing some photo editing is very different to learning about how to put a team together yeah. how to do gdpr how to run active campaign or kajabi how to do safeguarding well how to learn about safeguarding how to um, run the mentoring scheme we have a mentoring scheme for children where we do mentoring and creativity for kids which is amazing mm-hmm. Um, it's how to come up with ideas every day for a Facebook that's got 2,000 parents in it now. Yeah. Magic Monday, Wonder Tuesday, uh, Thinking Tuesday, Wonder Wednesday and so on. We do these different days. It's yeah. coming up with content and how to do presenting. Mm. You know, on a really smart shirt, have a good shave, have a really strong haircut. <laughs> TV and having to present. Having also to build in diversity and inclusion. Yeah. Sure that you're speaking to the whole country. Yeah. Not just absolutely. absolutely absolutely so good and it's it's a really good point actually because a trend that i've seen is that we're seeing well i'm seeing people launch more robust enterprises so in this time i guess because it's made us all aware of the we need to have stronger foundations so you know yes of course we're still seeing a lot of self-employed people rise in this time but those that are in business we're kind of like we actually need to lay a foundation we have to stop doing this by ourselves we have to start blocking gaps and so what I love about what we've seen is the way we're building business is that we're doing them more collaboratively we're doing it more with more partnerships we're not trying to do it on our own as much and I think that that's something that's really good something really good that's come out of this I think the collaboration that we're seeing is beautiful and just us supporting each other and coming together to to launch and build incredible things so so although it's hard I guess I'm sure that you've also seen that like people that have come to support you and joined your team and the camaraderie in building such a beautiful vision together so um so yeah no that's I can imagine the difficulties as well so I guess what has been your number one highlight I guess it will be difficult to choose one but what's Uh, been the number one highlight so I think seeing the transformation of children um, there was a severely 
um, disabled boy I worked with who had the who was physically the age of seventeen, but mm. the mental age of a six year old was normal or couldn't speak. Mm. And he's been excluded from everything that he wants to. Uh, really intelligent, suffered from a very rare syndrome. What now uh, begins with A, but it was very unusual. And what happened is we we did a bespoke one to one course of him in Colfelli one day. We allowed him to come on the course. Yes. He took a selfie of himself. We teach self-portrait because selfie is basically a ridiculous name for self-portrait. Self-portrait has been going around since the beginning of time, and yes. photography. Yes. So photography is almost two hundred years old now. The first photograph was ever taken in eighteen twenty-nine. So we're coming up two hundredth anniversary of photography, and in that time, self-portrait was there from the beginning. So what we're doing is we're teaching children how to take a good self-portrait. Mm what we call a selfie but through really cool things like mirrors and car windows and shop windows and reflections in public and i taught this little boy well the 17 year old boy and um, we'll call him joseph he was absolutely amazing mm. and he, because he was severely disabled he wasn't able to engage in the activities that he wanted to engage in so we allowed him to do the course and we did it one-to-one with him um, with his mum on zoom and he, we taught him how to take a self-portrait his yeah. photos were incredible some of them were so beautiful and the self-portrait of himself it makes me want to cry because I actually realised we showed him that actually no one is excluded from creativity or art photography. There's no one at all that is um, out of this bubble of what we're trying to create. And I think children like him um, and some of the children who are quite high up on the spectrum, who suffer very bad from autism or um, different syndromes, I think we're trying to make sure that we can include them all. We are looking at actually doing a SEND course, a special educational needs course, mm-hmm. for, just to make sure um, specific, specifically written for them. And we are also, in the autumn, going to be doing an adult course for mums and dads, the same course but for adults on mindfulness and photography. Well, do let me know because I think I might be joining. <laughs> Thank <Yeah>. you. <laughs> because as you're speaking, I'm thinking I would love to do the course and with my kids as well. So my son is incredibly creative. So I uh, yeah I would love to do it with them so please do keep me posted and I'll definitely share details of that so I was going to ask you what the future holds but I guess you've kind of just already answered it so I guess final question before well penultimate question what would you say for someone who does have kind of this burning desire maybe has had this light bulb moment of an idea um, and kind of has been apprehensive about launching it was on the fence or for some reason is telling themselves that they can't what would you say to them I would say do it um write down get a journal write down your vision statement for where you want to be a year from now two years from now five years from now yeah. and almost like we could you know um, there's, a, there's an entrepreneurial term christians would call it prayer but a lot of people call it manifesting you have a basically a vision board where you put things on that board that you think you would like where you'd like to be and we definitely i work on my vision very strongly i, I know where i want to be in five years i know where i want to be in two years with this company so get that down reach that down, and then look around and see who can help you get this idea to happen so i so I, I spoke to a few friends who were tech experts a friend who's a va and brought them into my vision because i can't do this without them and our team today mm-hmm. i've got some experts around the world who are helping us make as, as we scale up the company mm-hmm. you can do this but the other thing is just Get your vision sorted and get your vision statement sorted and get your voice sorted because ultimately your story is your superpower. Yeah. And people respect authenticity more than almost anything else. Why Brené Brown is so loved and such a hero as is President Obama. When people look at President Obama, they don't think about his politics much. They look at the way he loves Michelle mm. loves and what a gentleman he was. Absolutely. Finish his biography and it's fundamental. And for me, that's a sign of a great leader. Is someone who has their voice, is strong, is authentic, is a real deal, is not, there's no BS 
around them. Mm-hmm. But actually, I think that is really crucial. And just run with your passion. What Roald Dahl says, be enthusiastic about what you do. Because people, most people who run businesses are not enthusiastic. And the ones that are, whether it's Mark Zuckerberg originally with Facebook or the guys who set up instant smoothies or people like that, they are passionate about what they do. And that separates mm-hmm. Steve Jobs at Apple. It separates them the wheat from the chaff. It definitely does. It definitely does. So thank you for that. And so finally, when is the next course and how can people enroll? Great. So the next course is on sale right now. It's literally on sale. It closes on Sunday, the 21st of March. And then the course starts on Monday, the 22nd of March. So it goes through until the Easter holidays and then it finishes on the 18th of April. So it's 22nd of March to the 18th of April. You can sign up now by going to cultivatingwonder.co. Um, not .co.uk or .com, just .co, because all the cool kids today, of course, have um, .co as a website address. Not yeah. <laughs> and um, I've got a 26-year-old uh, operations manager called Amy, who's an absolute genius at what she does, and she basically runs all the tech. And so we've got cultivatingwonder.co. On that, there'd be a page called The Course. There you go. Thank you so much. On that, there's a, uh, you can go onto the page called The Course, and that will give you all the information. There's a little 30, no, 60-second video on the homepage you can watch will give you an introduction more about the course. It's for any five to nine-year-olds or 10 to 16-year-olds. You don't need a camera, camera, you can use a camera phone, um, and you don't need any specialist knowledge because we'll teach you all of that. Excellent. So parents, go and register your children. Um, This is kind of a life-changing experience, and many children's lives, I know, have been changed as a result of this course. It it costs £49, just to say as well. I mean, it's a still. I mean, you know, it's an absolute still. So go ahead and book your children on. And Jonathan, where can people connect with you across the internet? So um, on Instagram, um, I'm Jonathan Self Photography and mm-hmm. also cultivating underscore wonder underscore. So cultivating wonder underscore between the two words. That's on Instagram and on Facebook for anyone who's got um, kids. We've got an amazing Facebook group for parents called Cultivating Wonder. 2020 so you go facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash cultivating one to 2020 we have daily challenges and there's a really beautiful community there about 2000 people amazing amazing jonathan it has been wonderful speaking to you i feel like we could actually just talk (laughs) for another hour more because there's so much to unpack but you know, what you have shared with us has been incredible. I'll definitely be sharing um, details of Cultivating Wonder. And yes, we will speak soon. And everyone who has joined live or is catching the replay, thank you so much um, for watching this episode. Appreciate you watching and taking the time. Yes. And so I'll be back with you with another episode of Cultivating cultivating wonder of um covid case studies covid covid launch case studies meet the success stories on the 17th with fidelis shonde the founder of grace to the humble a clothing brand with a purpose so continue to look on my feed for updates and information about the next episode because so far it has been great just hearing from these incredible founders um, who are sharing invaluable nuggets of wisdom to those of you who are thinking of launching at this time so have an amazing day and rest of the week and we shall absolutely speak soon